raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, Pacers on the road in Charlotte later on tonight, taking on the Horn at 7 o'clock. That tip, 6.30, your coverage begins right here on the fan. And uh, the general manager of the Pacers with us now, it is Chad Buchanan on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Chad, thank you for the time. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, JMV? So we are staked out today, are we? Calling from Charlotte, North Carolina, right? Stuck in my hotel room. Just got back from shoot-around and getting ready to play the Hornets tonight. Yeah. Well, I will say this. I kind of wondered, and you can help me through this, um, I made the observation that this team looked in a haze on Thursday night against Golden State. and You can probably connect that to the fact that uh, 42 was laid on them by Steph Curry. That'll get you in a haze in a big hurry. But did you see anything to do with maybe uh, a bit of a reaction to earlier that day, the, the trading of Buddy Heal that all was there any connection to be made it's a fair question to ask you know it was a a night where we got stalked in the face pretty quickly by Steph as you mentioned in the first quarter and you know losing a teammate you know in Buddy and a guy who's got you know a lot of spirit and a lot of personality that that takes away a little bit of your you know the fiber of of, of your personality of your group and so I think that had our guys a little maybe shocked you know losing a teammate is always an adjustment and um, you know, we're also at the point of the season where the, the all-star breaks around the corner, and I think guys are, you know, looking forward to a little bit of a break, too. So it was, it was a combination of, of, of that, and, you know, like I said, you're playing a good team that's a hot team, and we, we just looked a little flat that night. So Chad Buchanan with us. I want you to get into to some of the like, semantics, I guess, and, and certainly what you're looking at, because you had mentioned last week in your press conference after that game that there was a lot in that trade with the long-term vision of this team in this organization, but how much of it did play a role? Was it kind of a both sides thing? Did, was it both sides, including Buddy's side, that felt maybe as an end result this ultimately needed to be done? Well, I'd, I'd say I'd keep you know, my conversations with Buddy and his agent. You know, I'd respect to them, you know, private, but you know, I think as our job as a front office, you're trying to maximize the now as much as possible without sacrifice in the long term but also putting yourself in position uh to retain as much as you can of the team that we really like i mean we like this group um they've been you know performed well this year our coaches have done a fantastic job with this group our young guys are developing and there's a lot to be excited about with this team and we're trying to plan ahead um you know and trying to keep as many of these guys as we can but also we're also working on the limitations of you know the salary cap and so we got to factor that in and there's Sometimes you got to make a really tough decision that maybe short term maybe doesn't help your team a ton, but it's trying to put yourself in position to be good and build you know the steps that it takes to be a championship team in the coming years. So uh, it was a tough decision, um, but it's also something part of our process. There's going to be more along the way that you got to make, and um, we got to identify who are the pieces that we want to keep moving forward. Was it um, at all difficult to make that deal considering it's Philadelphia in the East? near you as far as you know the the playoff picture of the standings concerned was there any role play as as far as that being a concern of of you and kevin and the organization i think when you make trades you know that is a small factor but you ultimately got to do what's best for your organization long term and take the the deal that is best for your team rather than settling for, you know, another option that's not as appealing or not as helpful for you long-term. I mean, ideally, you're not sending them to a competitor, but in this case, you know, that was the best option for us that was presented, and um, we chose to do that, and we wish him the best. I mean, he's a great player. He's a great shooter. Um, loved having him here for the, the time that he was with us, and we wish him nothing but the best uh, in Philly. So Chad Buchanan, who is the uh, general manager of the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Pacers and the Hornets coming up later on tonight. That's a 7 o'clock tip from Charlotte this evening. You can hear it right here on the fan. Some of the impact, and, and obviously shooters go through slumps. It just happens. But just beyond that, the impact that Buddy brought to this team that you're hoping that somebody else can inspire a similar impact moving forward this season. 
Sure. I mean, shooting is such a big part of today's NBA game. I know, um, you know, Buddy was one of the best to ever do that. And those guys go through ups and downs. You know, it's ultimately, I'm sure, John, you on your Sunday mornings, you have days where you're lighting it up and days where you just, just don't have it. You know, the, the yes. NBA guys are no different. Um, but losing that component is a, it's been a big part of how we play offensively. Tyrese's, you know, creativity generates a lot of opportunities for everybody, you know, Buddy included, but he's also helped elevate the play of Miles. He's elevated the play of Aaron. Um, Obi's obviously had a career year with us. Jalen Smith, we've got all these young players that are performing at uh, their career best playing with the way we play. And, you know, Buddy's spacing, the threat of Buddy's shooting was part of that, but um, we also feel like we have some other young players that are developing and growing that are going to have an opportunity now to you know, take the next step as well. And um, we'll miss that component of the threat of Buddy, you know, always teams having to know where he's at and chase him around. He's always moving. And, uh, but we also feel like Doug um, does a little bit of that, obviously at a different level and different style. But Doug's threat of shooting is going to be something that we're, will be valuable off our bench, too, and that's why we're we're glad to have him back in the fold. He uh, got one look in seven minutes the other night, and then when you guys had at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I'm assuming that there'll be an uptick in, in clock time here relatively soon. Was that just trying to, trying to uh, get to know once again player with the organization in the short term? Yeah, and I think that's, you know, our coaches, obviously it's his first game with us. He doesn't know any of the plays, you know, any of the calls, <laughs> things like that. And so you're just trying to get him, get his feet wet a little bit. But, you know, obviously that's up to our coaches, how they want to utilize him and how much, you know, you play him. But um, we brought him here to be an element to replace some of the shooting that we lost with the trade. And he's familiar with, you know, several of our teammates. But, you know, he's this first time he's played with a lot of these guys. You know, he and TJ are very close friends. So there's that familiarity. And he played with Miles before. But... A lot of these other guys that are here now weren't here before, so this is going to be a little bit of a acclimation process for Doug. But I anticipate he's a pro and been around, and he'll get you know situated and comfortable quickly, and um, have some good nights shooting the ball for us. He's Chad Buchanan with us. I know you got into this a little bit in that post game presser back on Thursday, but maybe uh, in a little more detail, at least as far as you can go. Um, the other side of this, the vision of this trade was for the future, for the fans, Pacer fans. Out there, give them some aspects of which you guys are focused in on and how that trade will impact that future because it's tough in the moment, you just feel like you're losing something and you live in the moment. But you know, what you guys are trying to do with that focus and that vision moving forward, sure. I mean, obviously, Tyrese is going to be the face of this franchise moving forward, um, and adding Pascal. You know, a month or so ago was a big, big move for us and a big addition. And, you know, we're optimistic and hopeful that he's, a, you know, with us moving forward. And those two guys are, you know, two really good pieces to build, you know, around long term. We have other guys that have contract situations that are going to be, you know, have to make decisions on. And, you know, we got to try to plan within, you know, the rules of the CBA and the salary cap, and that requires some decisions short-term that maybe, you know, are a little bit painful, but in the long-term, you got to plan accordingly. And sometimes, you know, some of the things we acquired, you know, on trade deadline with some of our, you know, picks may seem like nothing major, but those types of currency help make deals happen, um, whether it's using the pick to draft a player or if it's using those picks to acquire another player those are really valuable tools for us and adding to this core that we're trying to build. And we're nowhere near where we want to be. I mean, we're, we're competing for a playoff spot, which is a great step for us this year. And I, I can't emphasize enough, like what coach Carlisle and our staff have done with this group. I mean, this is a very young team at its core and to put ourselves in position where we're at, you know, today going into the, into the all-star break with, you know, we're six games above 500. Um, it's really a fantastic, you know, job that our coaches, have done and a lot of our young players you see developing and blossoming are going to be big parts of our future but we also know there's more to be added to this team to get to a championship level and um, it just takes steps and sometimes you know those steps require small moves that maybe are a little painful in the moment but you're hopeful in the long run that they help add and help you give the ability to add a player that's a big piece moving forward. Chad are you surprised this team is in the position right now at this point in the season as we get close to the all-star break that it resides in currently? I think the goal going into this year was to see progress from last year 
And that's definitely taken place to say that I expected us to be where we're at. Um, I think we're probably a little further along than I think most of us anticipated. You know, Tyrese has been <laughs> phenomenal this year. We've had other guys, like I've mentioned, have taken big steps forward. Um, our coaches have put in place an offense that's one of the NBA's historically best offenses. So there's been growth that has been faster than, than we anticipated. Um, but I think, you know, we also – this is kind of the path we want to go on. We want to take steps – uh, to get where we need to get to go. And this is probably a bigger step than we anticipated and uh, really happy for it, but also know that there's a lot of work left to be done. So Chad Buchanan, the general manager of the Pacers, again, Pacers on the road in Charlotte later on tonight. That tip times at 7. Pre-game coverage with Mark and Eddie and Pat Boylan begins at 6.30. Coming up later on tonight, um, where are you guys roster-wise right now? I think I forgot. Where are you? <laughs> we have four, we have 14 roster spots right now filled. Um, we have one open roster spot, which gives us the flexibility to do different things. We we may look at you know the buyout market. We may look at doing some 10 days. We may convert a guy. We've got different options with that roster spot, um, which is good good for us to to, to use moving into the spring. Um, both, all three of our two way spots are filled, and um, our, our Mad Ants team is performing extremely well. Tom Hanks. Tom, Tom Hankins and that staff have done a great job. And so um, we're looking at all options with that last roster spot. So how uh, – I like to use this word a lot because it makes me sound smart. Robust would you consider at this moment the buyout market being? Now that the dust has kind of settled a little bit. Yeah, it's hard to predict for sure. I think there's a couple of guys that are coming on the market now you see getting waived, but it's got to be the right player at the right position with the right skill level for us to go that route. In the past, we've done that a couple of times. We signed Trevor Booker. Um, Wesley Matthews have been two guys that we've gone with the buyout market route with, and we'll monitor to see who's out there, um, if there's a guy that makes sense or not. But it's tough to say for sure. You have, you know, rumors and you hear there's a possibility, but until it happens, you, you, you just don't know for sure. Um, sometimes the buyout market is littered with players at a position you don't have a need for, so it doesn't make sense to go that route. But we want to at least give ourselves that opportunity if the right players there to try to pounce on it. A lot of what has been a conversation, you don't have to get too direct into detail here, but if you want to, then please, by all means, do. But regarding being all NBA and the minimum amount of games it takes to get there, um, is it just is it for you guys just, all right, you just sit back and see how many games Tyrese plays in this case? What goes on in, in trying to deal with this other than just what we see a guy going out there and playing, playing enough minutes in the game and trying to reestablish that. What goes on behind the scenes? Yeah, I would say the number one goal is we want Tyrese to be all NBA. That's a, a an amazing accomplishment for an individual player to receive, and it's something that I think Tyrese deserves and the way he's played and hopefully the way he continues to play, he deserves to be, to have that award. And so that's what we want for him. It's good for him. It's good for our organization. And as long as it doesn't jeopardize his long-term health, um, we're going to do everything we can to get him, you know, qualified for, for that award. Um, but ultimately the core of it is we're a better team when he's on the court. And so the more he's on the court, the better chance we have to perform well and play well and win games. And so, you know, Tyrese wants to be out there every night. You know, even when he was a little beat up, you know, he, he doesn't like sitting. He doesn't like sitting over on the bench in street clothes. I know he likes the outfits he gets to wear over there some nights, but uh, he wants to be on the court playing. And so that's what we're trying to do is to get him out there as many nights as we can. And, you know, the game limit is something that factors into everybody's, you know, mind. But ultimately, we want him out there every game and um, putting us in position to win as many games as we can. Hey, Chad, I asked you this, I think, prior to the trade deadline, and now Buddy traded. I'm, I'm curious, with expiring contracts that you have remaining on this team right now, is there any concern at all dealing with an expiring contract? Are you okay moving forward with it? Or are there always concerns for a team like the Pacers, an organization like the Pacers, making sure you get something out of a player that has an expiring deal like you still have in front of you right now? Ideally, you you never lose a player for nothing in an ideal world, but in reality, that happens more often than you know teams want it to happen. 
we're trying to balance, you know, moving a bunch of players on expiring deals just to have something in hand without harming the team too much in the short term. Um, and we do have a couple guys on expiring deals that we really like and hope to, you know, hope that we're able to have it be in position to retain those guys. There's no guarantee of that, but um, we do have several players in that, in that mix, but um, we also want to keep this team, you know, together as much as possible um, while also keeping an eye on the long term. It's uh, Chad Buchanan who is with us. What's the all-star weekend being here in Indy? mean to you i know you're going to be around obviously your son has a high school senior night that is coming up as well but you're going to be around here and you know we see indy do what indy does best and it's hosts a big event it's the first time this event has been here since 1985 i mean hell i was 15 years old the last time this thing was around what's it mean for you and the organization to have this event here this weekend it's really hard to put into to words and what, what this means to, you know, the Pacers, the Mr. Simon, his family, the city, um, you know, this is our chance to, to really showcase what Indiana and its love of basketball is all about. And Mel Raines and Rick Fusen and Todd Taylor, the, you know, all of our business side staff have spent years and years of hard work and planning uh, to get this thing ready to go. And it's going to be such an awesome event for, for you know, the Pacers and our city, to, for the world to see, you know, what, what Indiana is about, what hospitality is about, our love of the game is about. Um, our facilities and you know we get to showcase some of our own players which is you know a huge bonus for us to have Tyrese be a starter in the all-star game when it's here in Indy it's just hard to to fathom how much that means to to our organization and um, I think the fans have a chance to you know come and see and interact with some of the events and um, you know some of the the games and things like that that are going to be a part of the weekend and it's going to be basketball heaven for the week you know that's that's hard for me to say it any other way because you know I love pro basketball I love you know the game of basketball itself its core but to showcase what we're about as a city and a state to the world is just it's priceless and i just can't wait for the world to see it i can't either and i can't wait to see what this led floor looks like for saturday at lucas oil stadium obviously you're on the road you haven't seen it yet right I've seen pictures of it. It looks it looks pretty uh pretty wild. So I'm curious to see it in person. How hard would it be here to uh, get this fella right here to put up a couple of shots on that thing before you guys go global this weekend? Is that difficult? Is that a, a Rick Fusion thing? Is that a uh, Mike Fox over at the stadium thing? What is that? Well, I, I heard there was like a surprise uh, player coming to All-Star Saturday Night for yes. the dunk contest. I assume yeah. that was you. Yeah, it is. Is that not the case? If we're dunking on like a seven-and-a-half-foot goal, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. We can make that happen. We can make that happen. Oh, I'll, be your, I'll be your prop guy. I'll, Thanks. I'll, be, I'll assist you in the, your uh, your dunks. I'd break it half probably, but I would love to get, get up. A, who wouldn't want to get up a couple of shots on a floor that unique like that? For sure, for sure. Let me look into that one for you. Yes, I know you're on the road. Yeah. You got a lot of stuff going on. Last thing you need is for me to pile other bullcrap on you right here. But that's exactly what I do with uh, Chad Buchanan, the general manager of the Pacers, moving forward. Us, I, I, I mentioned back in 1985. I remember it being here, and I was not, I was not up here for it. But that was ju- that was like it in terms of of the NBA. I mean, you had Bird and Magic and Dr. J. I think Jordan was participating in the dunk contest. He was a rookie. Former Pacer Terrence Stansberry Stansberry got robbed of the dunk contest, by the way. That was just such a great year. And to know what Indy has transformed itself into since that point in time, it is truly amazing the work that has been done and the work that continues to be done around here. It really does. So true. That, that's my first memory was that dunk contest of, you know, MJ and the gold chain around his neck. I yep. think I have a poster, yep. that poster up in my room growing up. So to think back, gosh, that's the last time that Indianapolis has hosted the event. Pretty remarkable. And uh, how much it's changed, you know, over the years. It's 
it's it's truly incredible the you know what our city has become and the ability to host events like this and um, it's just going to be a super super fun week. I will say this too. I I think this and they're never going to do it, but the way during COVID that this city and basically the region here, Central Indiana, hosted the the NCAA tournament all encompassing. I, I think that they are owed an opportunity to do that again. That was and I know we we're going through a bunch of stuff at the time and COVID and all that, but that was so <laughs> incredible to have the entire NCAA tournament here and that. Was will along with event and and obviously the super bowl be some of the highlights to just what this city and what this group in this city can do and the job that they can get done in execution it was amazing 100 percent. the people that help run the events in our city from the different organizations and corporations and just the people the leadership and uh the sports industry around our indianapolis area I mean, name me a better city that does a better job yeah. of hosting you know, events like that. There are, there are none. I mean, you can have different warm weather spots. Maybe the weather's better, but you're not going to get the whole experience of hospitality, of the facilities, of the organization, of the people that you're going to get in Indianapolis. It's just it's second to none. Yeah, it is. Uh, Chad Buchanan with us. Final couple of things tonight in Charlotte. Your impression on what you saw at Madison Square Garden. They needed a bounce back on Saturday night, and really they got a bounce back from a lot lot of people in the garden we did that is a tough place to win obviously they're a very good team this year i know they were down a couple players but it's still you got to go in there and and win and um, they've got some physical rugged tough players that you know have given us troubles in the past but you know we really from you know especially the second half i thought we really competed and, and stayed tied together and um, made some plays when we need to make plays, and that, that's that's a good win for us. You know, like I said, a lot of these teams right now around the league are are tired heading into the break, and some of these games are. Who wants to be there more? You know, it's yep. it's like the eight a.m. game on Sunday at your AU tournament. Like, it's, it's not always the team that's better that wins; it's the team that wants to be there the most. And um, that's what these last few games tend to be about in the NBA schedule: is who wants it more on that given night? Because some guys are ready; they're already checking their you know their itinerary for their flight to the beach uh, on Wednesday or Thursday. And some teams that are serious about winning are going to be about let's take care of business before we get on that plane to go relax for a few days. I just thought it was nice because rarely have we seen the Pacers just kind of break away and and, and and win going away. They've been competitive, obviously, won a lot of games, but rarely have we seen that maybe a handful of times. It was nice to see that at the Garden on Saturday. It is. And, you know, teams, that when they're at home, they tend to make runs and, you know, make it tight when you pull away. And we, were, we managed to keep them at bay pretty much that entire second half, which was – Really encouraging. Having Ty, I mean, Ty looked really good on on Saturday night, and that yeah. kind of makes everything flow for us too. So, you ever was, throw one off the backboard to yourself and then assist a, a corner three like that? Do you ever do that? I, I can't say that I have tried that one before, but uh, my talent level was a lot less uh, below what Tyrese's is, and my creativity level too. I'd have been running stair laps for doing something like that back in the 80s. I can't even – we couldn't even jump pass back then. I mean, hell, now everybody jump passes. If I jumped and had nowhere to go, I'd be running still after that too. So, strange how things have changed. Hey, before I let you go to one more thing, there is no doubt you guys long-term absolutely want Pascal Siakam here, correct? That's part of that trade and part of what you're doing as far as your vision is concerned long-term here? I mean, when we made the trade for Pascal, we were hopeful that this was a long-term partnership, and so far, so good with with everything. I think he's happy. We're very happy with him, and um, you know, we that's kind of what our hope is moving forward. Uh, we I talked to Braden Smith um, last week. Of course, Mr. Basketball, Purdue sophomore, Westfield Shamrock, formerly, and he had a lot of good things to say about uh, your son up there. So, thought that was pretty cool. We had that conversation with him last week. Yeah, it's a great family, great family. He was a great mentor to my son, Trey. So I uh, really, really appreciate of him and always root for his success. I can't say too much about a draft prospect, but uh, he's a family friend, and I'm happy for him. I know. I, I should have named – well, I better not even go there. You name your son Trey, which is appropriate. I, I probably would have to name him. <laughs> 
Brick. I think Brick would have been a good one for maybe me, right? So hopefully we can we can adjust that one of these days. But hey, seriously speaking, let me know about the 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 uh, LED floor, and then whenever you're ready on a Sunday morning, I'll even come up and get you. You can come down and play your first pickup game in about three years with uh, with us old guys down at Southport High School. All right, let me know when you're ready. Can I have somebody cover the defensive end for me in those yes. pickup games? Yes, we both will. We both okay. will. Well, okay. we'll just both guard each other, and we'll just stand on the offensive end. <laughs> okay, I'm more of a half-court kind of pickup player anyways. I am hash mark to hash mark. That's about as far as I go right there. And when somebody posts me up, I get I get pissed and leave. So that's what happens. <laughs> it's always a pleasure, man. Um, safe travels back here. Hopefully we'll uh, track you down at some point this weekend as well. And uh, always enjoy the conversation, Chad. Thank you. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. It's uh, Chad Buchanan, general manager of the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I'm on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Friend of the show from ESPN, ESPN.com. And we'll recap the season with yesterday's Super Bowl, I am sure, with Stephen Holder right now. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Now, will you will you soak up, embrace this NBA All-Star Weekend as much as we are here? Okay, so good question. I I intended to, but check this out because I'm an idiot. So a long time ago, I talked about planning a vacation yeah. right after the season, uh, after the football season. And I found some good – I found this good deal and the flights and all that, so I, I did it. And would you know, like an idiot, I did this months ago, not even thinking about All-Star. Would you know I booked the damn thing for this week? <laughs> <laughs> and so I so you're going to be this. out when all this is going on here. I, dude, I, I, I got to about like a, a, month, a month ago, and I was like, wait a minute. Oh, man. Because, you know, I know a lot of people coming into town, and, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be great. I got people in town calling me, what are we doing this weekend? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like well, so kind of a funny story and and i said well okay if i reschedule this how mad would my wife be <laughs> you know what i mean like could you get away with it or not and is it worth the trouble and i was like you know what it was too much trouble to reschedule too much potential damage on the home front so i just said i guess we're going yeah well I can't wait. This has not been around here since 1985 when I was 15, I and I cannot I wait for it. It's a big deal, said. man. It's yeah. a big deal. I mean, it, look, it's not the Super Bowl, but uh, as someone who has, has been to, to many All-Star weekends over the years, working them, you know, I mean, it's one of my favorite events. I really do enjoy it. And and I think it's, it's more accessible than the Super Bowl to a degree uh, because – you know, as you know from hosting the Super Bowl before, I mean, you know, there's going to be all the private parties and all that too. You, you get the same thing, but I just think there's a little less of the velvet rope type stuff uh, with All Star Weekend than with the NFL, just because the NFL brings in literally like a, I mean, a higher level and a higher number of the celebrity type. So I don't know. It, that's that's the way I tend to see it. Um, All Star Weekend tends to bring in. Just, you know, people who just kind of want to be in the vibe of the city, too. You get more of that than I think you do with the Super Bowl. So it's a little bit of a different event, in my view. No, you're absolutely right. It's Stephen Holder of ESPN's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Let's get back to last night. How many of the viewing audience, which basically is all of us out there, were aware of the extent of the overtime rules, how many actually knew, do you think, especially as the clock Mm -hmm. was closing in on that final minute? I would say very little or very few, excuse me. I would, 
I think that's probably accurate to say very few because I think people understood the overtime rules changed uh, in recent years, but we haven't had this situation. I'm trying to remember uh, if we've had a, an overtime game in the playoffs this year. And I, I don't know that we did. I don't recall one. And, and frankly, we, and even if we did, we certainly didn't have one go down to the final minute like this. So it, it, I thought it was, I don't know that this might be the first time we've encountered this. So I think, I think it was probably a very small number of people that, that truly understood it. I will admit that even I forgot how it worked, you know, and it's my job to know these things. And I had forgotten so there's not, I mean, it's not something that's top of mind. You haven't encountered it before. I, I understand why people wouldn't know it. Um, there is no excuse, however, for anyone involved in the game not knowing it. That should have been dealt with ahead of time and should have been drilled. And I'm not so sure it was by both teams. What type of impact in this case for San Francisco, yeah. the losers, and Kyle Shanahan, the head coach. Every, everybody's kind of talking about you know being there and not getting it done. But the, the impact, and by the way, I bet you Stephen A. Smith had no idea either. And he's been ripping Kyle Shanahan sure. all day. Sure. But anyway, the impact that that will have on a head coach once his players kind of describe that publicly to those out there that they didn't know either, especially considering this is another losing effort for the Niners in the Super Bowl. Well, it, it doesn't shine a, a positive light on Kyle Shanahan at all. In fact, it's made worse by the fact that I watched a lot of the post-game interviews and Mahomes and Kelsey were on the stage on the ESPN pro, uh, post-game show saying very clearly and and emphatically that they had talked about this scenario repeatedly with the coaching staff and with uh, people within the organization that it had been talked about openly and that there was an understanding. Now, you know, did every, did all 53 players grasp it? I don't know, but, but the key players, at least the guys on that stage last night, they seemed to know, at least they claimed to, to know the rule and, and said that they had talked about it at length throughout the postseason, and I think what that tells me is it tells you something about preparation. It doesn't mean that Kyle Shanahan's a bad coach if he failed to do that. It just means that you didn't cover all the bases. And and I, I also do wonder. You asked me what what impact does it have on on a coach and maybe how he's how he's viewed if that is the case that there was not a comprehensive approach to preparation there. I would also say there's also an argument, okay, what impact did it have on the outcome? Possibly none, right? That's, that's true. It's possible the game would have ended the same way, but certainly you, you might have considered a different approach on the coin toss. We know Andy Reid was very clear, like, yeah, we were not we, – we were de- going to defer if we had won the toss because he, he was operating under those, under those rules. Number two, I did wonder – did it have any impact at all on the defense at the very end of the game, the 49ers defense, when you're looking at the clock, certainly. And, and so Patrick Mahomes was not worried about the clock. The Chiefs were not worried about the clock. He was just trying to get first downs at the end of the game. If you're the 49ers, was any part of those guys on defense, was any part of them less aggressive because they're thinking, well, they're almost out of time and they got to score a touchdown. So maybe when they're at the 30-yard line, the 40-yard line, they're not maybe they're not playing as aggressive. I don't know. That's not a that's uh, that's not a statement. I'm asking a question. Is what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that I yeah. think that has to be discussed. So know? so so basically, you know, what we look at as far as these rules are concerned is. It, it's the basic rules that we know, with the exception of the clock. I saw a lot of people asking why even have the clock run, but it it since you can't have a tie or a game ended a tie, it just continues to go like a normal game would go. So yeah. basically, they started out a normal game until somebody won by the normal rules that we understand of overtime. Yeah, I mean the clock is basically procedural yeah. at that point. You're right; it doesn't. So that's that's the best way to think about it. Like, ignore the clock. It doesn't matter. The only impact of the clock is that presumably when the quarter ends, you go down and you change sides. That's the only real impact of the clock. So if you had an outdoor game 
and, you know, maybe the wind was a factor or something like that, then yes, you, you want to have the quarters still be a, a factor in the game, if that makes sense. But outside of that, the clock doesn't matter. Ignore the clock in that situation. So that's, that's the way to think about it moving forward. If we ever have this situation again. Um, but again, I, I do wonder like, you know, would, would you have played a certain play a little bit differently if you're worried that, all right, well, all I got to do is protect the goal line here. You know what I'm saying? And so I, obviously when they got down inside the 10 yard line, uh, that was kind of out the window, but I'm talking prior to that. I don't know. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the tape closely to get some sense of that, but I think it's an interesting question to ask. Here, Stephen Holder joins us of ESPN. The other interesting thing, correct me if I'm wrong, so now the Chiefs go back-to-back. So they've won back-to-back Super Bowls after getting rid of one of the best wide receivers <laughs> in the NFL. Is that how this works right now? Yeah. Look, this was, I think, unquestionably, this was Patrick Mahomes' worst roster offensively defensively they were very good defensively like this was the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has played with in his career statistically this was the best defense so on offense however I mean the supporting cast on offense was outside of Travis Kelsey in large part it was kind of a joke okay let's just be honest and I just think that makes what he did just so much more remarkable. I mean, the, the guy's amazing. It is what it is. I get that people are tired of him. I get it. It's the Brady effect all over again. But let me just tell you, people, it's early, okay? It's early. Buckle up, man. This ain't over, and it ain't going to be over for a long time as long as that guy's got two – is standing on his two feet. It's, uh, Stephen Holder with us. I, I agree. Three in a row – Especially the way they went through it this year, because I explained this earlier, Stephen. This was supposed to be a down year. I mean, they're paying him, you know, that that high dollar now. Their offensive line was not as efficient as it has been. The wide receiver, the best one, I think, was a rookie this year. But here's what you got: you got Mahomes, you got Kelsey, and outside of Mahomes, the MVP was Chris Jones defensively no doubt he was involved in everything that was close and could have been the the difference in the game offensively for the 49ers he had a hand into wrecking those situations every time you know we've seen a couple of defensive tackles wreck the game in the Super Bowl in recent years and I'll run through them and one of them you know very well his name is DeForest Buckner funny enough the last time the 49ers played the Chiefs in the Super Bowl he absolutely killed Mahomes and unfortunately Mahomes just was able to rise above it unfortunately for the 49ers rise above it in the fourth quarter and they won the game but if you go back and you watch that tape and I did when the Forrest Buckner got traded to the Colts he dominated that game for about three and a half quarters the other one I would say is uh the the Rams I, I would say a couple of years ago what was that the uh 2001 uh Super Bowl against uh, against the Bengals. And I, I would say in that game, Aaron Donald, I, I thought he really not necessarily dominated throughout, but he had some moments of dominance and he ended the game. And so then you go to last night and Chris Jones was, I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal. I mean, there's a play on, on the 49ers last possession. Um, it's a touchdown. If he doesn't step into uh, step or if the quarterback doesn't have to step into uh, Chris Jones right in his face mask, basically, and that that throw comes up. Was it long or short? I think it was. I think it was an overthrow. Yeah, yeah twice. It was an overthrow it. twice in a similar situation. Go. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I know we just think of those things as routine, but I mean, if he's not there, Purdy hits that. It's a touchdown, and and maybe we have a different outcome. So. Those are game-changing plays. As much as any big offensive play you will see, that's a that's a game-changing play because it, it took points off the board potentially, took a, a touchdown, a potential touchdown, and turned it into a field goal. So just a phenomenal game by him. Uh, I, I've talked to Chris Ballard about Chris Jones because he was in uh, Kansas City, I, I believe the year he was drafted. And he he told me once about, the first day of, of practice and training camp watching this guy and thinking, 
oh my God, like, I can't believe this. And, and he's come so much further now, even at this point, he's even better now. So now he's a phenomenal player. And it just goes to show you, I mean, you, you have to have that superstar on your defense. I think, to, I think it takes a superstar defensive player to win a Super Bowl these days. I don't think you can do it without that. So Stephen Holder of ESPN and ESPN.com is with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I don't get the Tony Romo hate. I'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> However, I felt that they needed to go more in-depth. You have a future Hall of Fame tight end, arguably the greatest of all time. The same can be said regarding the head coach, Andy Reid. And then you had you know Kelsey blindside him in that fashion on the sideline needed to be covered more in-depth than just your proverbial flyby. You agree? It was weird. The, the whole thing was weird. The situation was weird. Um, I, I don't... I don't think it's the end of the world necessarily that Kelsey did that, but it certainly deserved some, some, or merited some, uh, some time to, of discussion. I, I agree with you hundred percent. And I mean, he was asked about it after the game, you know, I think on, on several occasions, uh, Andy Reed talked about it. So, I mean, it was a topic of discussion after the game, which tells you it probably should have been a topic of discussion during the game. I agree. What do you think about Romo? Do you get as uptight as basically the rest of the world evidently gets regarding his analyst work on CBS? So I, I, this is a good question. I have a thought. I, I feel like Romo is kind of an acquired taste. I'm fine with it. But I also get why there's an issue with some people, and here's why. Because he's not – he's different. He, he's, he's very, very stream of consciousness. He's very much, you know, sort of – unrehearsed, if you will, you know, I mean, I think if he were, if he were sort of traditional and boring and gave you this, the, the usual stuff, I don't think anybody would be talking about it, but he also would not be as good. Uh, now, look, they have some flubs. There was a moment there, I think at the end where I, I think there might've been a flag and Romo missed it. And they're having two different conversations in the booth. Like, <laughs> you know, like, one person's acknowledging the flag. The other guy, and talking about Romo here, he was like talking about this great play and like, no, dude, there's a flag, man. Like he was completely unaware. So he does have some of those moments where it's like, hey, t- Tony, chill out, man. Slow down, slow down. Um, like he gets really excited and, and he kind of, you know, maybe gets lost in the moment or, or maybe he just starts talking really off the cuff and you're like, dude, what are you talking about? Right. But, but I don't, I'm okay with it. I, I get that those things are not normal and we don't hear them from uh, coming from the booth generally. But again, I think those are the things that make him really good because he's very much, he's shooting from the hip. He's very much stream of consciousness. Like, Oh, you know what? I just had another thought and here it is. Boom. Uh, that's okay. I, I mean, that's how we watch football, right? How do you sit around with your friends and watch football? Pretty much the same way. I want to look ahead here, and Stephen Holder joins us to the Colts for a moment. I know that, I'm assuming, kicking and screaming, you're forced into doing a way-too-early power rankings and writing a blurb on ESPN.com about that. 15th is where the Colts are. How much fluctuation do you see here? And then with this offseason, how much is riding on on this offseason in terms of what they do? And let's start – with Michael Pittman Jr., I don't think they've utilized what the franchise tag since McAfee years ago, right? That's true. That's the yep. last time. Is there a chance he gets tagged whatsoever, or will he get a longer term extension here? So, first of all, yes, I, I would say uh, I'll start with um, what were you asking me first? You were asking me, you hit me with three. Yeah, well, no, go, go ahead and start okay. there. I'll, I'll double back with you. Go ahead and start there no, as far as Michael Pittman Jr. I, I think that I would just say this, the power ranking, that's what I was going to say. I forgot what I was going to say. The power ranking thing, I would say they are the quintessential 15th, like middle of the pack team, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> they, at least. At it's it's like you don't game. know. It's like, okay, we have no yeah. idea where this team is going to be. So, exactly. So yeah. they're exactly where they belong. It doesn't mean they're, they're good. It doesn't mean they're bad. It means we don't know. Okay. So I think that's fair. I mean, 
Anthony Richardson's got to get going. He's got a lot to prove. He's still going to have rookie mistakes. You know, look, it ain't going to be like you like you plug and play, and you, you obviously go win the division, and and everything's rosy. And I mean, I don't know. They might, but I mean, it ain't going to be automatic. You know, I think a lot needs to be uh, de- determined about this Colts team. So they're right where they should be in our way, way, way too early power rankings that we did. Not my idea. Anyhow, uh, as it relates to the offseason, it is a big offseason, though, because I think even though there is uncertainty about who they are and where they're going and how good they are, I think they're good enough to take a step if they have the right team in 2024. And they have enough talent that if they if they tighten up some things, retain the right guys, uh, strengthen a few spots, I think they can be a team that wins a handful of those games that they lost in 2023. I mean, all we're talking about is a couple more wins, and you're talking about a completely different complexion to this season. And they weren't that far away in many cases. And in, in fact, had they addressed some of the needs that, that we know were needs, they might have had different outcomes, right? So, so I guess you, you have to attack this offseason if you're Chris Bauer. You have to attack it with purpose, in my opinion. Because for all you don't know, you do know that you have talent to be dangerous. And a quarterback, if he's healthy, who can make plays and elevate your team. So that's more than a lot of teams can say for themselves right now. So I think they should act like they're a team that means business. And that doesn't mean you go sign a bunch of crazy top-dollar free agents, but it means you sign the right free agents. And it means you re-sign the guys that you need. And then it also means that you have to take a very serious approach with Michael Pittman. You cannot afford to let that guy walk out the door. I do think the franchise tag is on the table because it has to be on the table. Because if negotiations are tough, and they could be, it's going to be a lot of money. If these negotiations are tough, you have to enable yourself to have some flexibility. I don't like the franchise tag. If I was a player, I would hate it. But if you're, if you're an NFL team, it's a secret weapon. And the truth is uh, they'll use it if they have to use it. And, and I think this might be the year that we could see it. It's very possible, yes. Kenny Moore, Grover Stewart, defensively speaking, how valuable are they at the top of this list to make sure they return? I, I like all those guys. I, I want them back if I'm the Colts. I mean, Grover Stewart is is one of those guys who we, we saw it in 2023. He's one of those guys you don't miss until he's not there. You know, those, those guys don't make a lot of uh, – they don't rack up a lot of statistics at nose tackle. But when they're not there, you feel the loss, right? You feel their absence. There's no doubt about that. And, and that, was, that was, I thought, um, very clear – this season. I mean, the difference in their run defense and in yards per carry, I think was an entire yard per carry difference without Grover Stewart in the lineup. I mean, think about that over the course of several games, how many yards that adds up to cumulatively, right? So you got to have him in my estimation. I think Kenny Moore had one of his best seasons. Absolutely brilliant this year. Again, another guy, the numbers don't always show it, but but I think in terms of impact and, and in terms of stabilizing a very young secondary, which wasn't very good at times, I mean, you can't afford to lose a guy like that, I think, given the, the situation in your secondary. And did you mention another guy or were those the two? No, those are the two right there. I did okay. want to uh, – one final question in transition here. Uh, I guess between the last time we talked and now, Jim Irsay yeah, has been – Finally back via social media and X. Um, anything changed as far as what we know? I, I'm assuming everybody feels better about this. I think since that point in time, two Dwight Freeney social media drops on X as well. What are we thinking about Jim Irsay on his way back from you know what had taken place the prior month? Well, it was it was very concerning. The situation was was concerning. I think for the lack of information there for a bit. I know they didn't owe us anything, but but as you and I have discussed, you know, I think the, the longer we went without information, the more my level of concern grew, and I think that was appropriate because you know I, I don't think that I, I think I don't think it's wrong to say that that he was in a very bad place physically. I, I don't. 
I don't think I'm exaggerating based on what I know that, uh, that things were, were bad. I don't, I'm not going to talk about details because I don't have all the details, but, but I can tell you every indication was that he was very ill and that this was a pretty grave situation potentially. So anyhow, the tweet alone wasn't enough for me to just kind of say, all right, I guess we're good now. I also, I tried to dig a little bit and I was assured, first of all, that he sent that tweet. Why does that matter? There are other people that have access to Jim Ursay's Twitter account, right? I mean, it's like a lot of big corporations, I'm sure. Um, you know, people have people that manage things for them. It's it's like that with with Jim Ursay's Twitter, right? There are there are certain posts that are maybe posted by a staffer for periodically. It doesn't matter. The point is, I wanted to be sure. Okay, did he personally send that tweet? And I was assured that he did. So that's all I can tell you. Um, I know that in his previous state, um, there was no communication with him, to my knowledge. And so that, I was told, was a really big step in the right direction, indicative of a big step in the right direction. So I think all positive uh, thoughts about Jim Mersey are are warranted and justified right now. One final quick question. Is he done, you think, running the day-to-day moving forward? I I would not say yes to that. No, I, I don't. I don't know that answer, but I don't think we can say that yet. I'm not ready to say that. Let's put it that way. Um, I need to know more about what his condition is, and I, I don't know a lot. But um, I would say this: it would take a lot for him to walk away from day-to-day operation of the team. Understanding now that he. He's not in the office every day. He's all over the place, jet setting, you know, in warmer climates and doing the things that rich people do. So let's be clear. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not clocking in and clocking out every day. I mean, <laughs> the guy's got four or five billion dollars. He don't got to do that. But um, I mean, Carly Ursa is there every day. She puts in the time. She's definitely there every day. So I think collectively the, the franchise is in good hands collectively because they're, they're all a part of it. You know, the daughter's, Jim, et cetera. Uh, but I, again, I would, I would anticipate that it would take a lot to push him to a point where he says, I can't be involved anymore. I don't anticipate that from uh, Jim Irsay that has any breath in his, in his body. That would be surprising to me. He is Stephen Holder, VSPN and ESPN.com. The power rankings way too early to call. He does have <laughs> the Colts. He's got a blurb, at least. The Colts slotted at 15 as we embark on an offseason and a new 2024 campaign in the NFL. And uh, Stephen's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Well, have fun with this week, even if it is taking place outside of the uh, capital of basketball and All-Star Weekend. Have a good time. We'll do it again next week. Yeah, bad on me. And also, uh, talk, had a good talk with Gardner Minshew at the Pro Bowl, and that'll come out uh, later this week as well. Oh, very nice. All right, we'll be uh, watching for that. Thank you, Stephen. Take care. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.